some of us find ourselves on center stage, making our living by releasing the trumpet's golden tones into the air, captivating audiences worldwide. Others among us may be more prone to engage in spirited discussions about its intricacies, its legendary players, and the unforgettable moments that have shaped its journey. But no matter our background or ability, Trumpet Dynamics is our harmonious sanctuary, a podcast that tells the story of the trumpet in the words of those who play it. A haven where we explore every facet of this wondrous instrument, delving deep into the minds and hearts of those whose energy breathes life into a simple piece of plumbing. Join us as we venture through time, tracing the trumpet's storied origins from its humble beginnings to its modern grandeur in orchestras, jazz clubs, recording studios, university halls, and beyond. Through insightful interviews and captivating anecdotes, We'll hear the wisdom and experiences of virtuosos, teachers, historians and enthusiasts alike. And now, let the symphony of trumpet dynamics commence with our founder and host, James D. Newcomb. Spice up your practice routine with original exercises and adaptations of all your favorite method books in 5-8 and 7-8 time. Odd Meter Technical Exercises for Trumpet by Michael Hengst. Oddmeter-exercises.com. Hey, James. How you doing, my friend? Hey, Larry. How's it going, man? I'm enjoying life. I'm just, it's such a hot, sunny day here in Southern California. I've been out walking the dog. I'm 67 years old now, mm-hmm. and so it's time to smell the, the roses. <laughs> really? So you haven't smelled the roses before now? I've performed in 86 different countries countries i'm the musical director of 18 ships i've seen the world many times over mm-hmm. i've traveled throughout the entire united states i think i've done my share of smelling okay <laughs> so they do have roses on cruise ships they do at a price <laughs> what is the weirdest country you've ever been to tell us some stories about your travels i think dakar west africa it was the only place I got off a ship and walked into town and actually saw lepers begging for money. And it was just uh, a real eye-opener to see how poor that country is. Mm-hmm. I've got my drum right here from that. And I actually brought it home on the QE2. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say that was just the strangest cultural shock to see so, so much poverty and to see those poor people. They don't have... Uh, it, any possibility of having a life like we do. Mm-hmm. What, country, what country was that? That was Dakar. They, they, they don't have the opportunities we do. That's just all there is to it. You know, uh, here, if you've got a mind and you've got an ambition and, and good ethics, you're probably going to go somewhere if you wish. But there, there's just no hope. You know, Unless you're really something else. You well, know? you have to be connected in countries like that. You have to know the well, right look people. Look where Arturo came from. Abscess poverty. And look where he is now. So it can be done, but you got to be Arturo. <laughs> have you seen that movie about him? Oh, of course I have, yeah. Uh, Andy Garcia. Yeah. Turns yeah. out he's a great trumpet player, Andy Garcia. Is he really? Yeah. He, he played Arturo in the movie, and it turns out that he had some pretty decent chops. And no that, way. I that was him actually playing. I know he has a band here in L.A., and Arturo oftentimes performs with him, but he's more of a percussionist. He had trumpet chops in the movie because he was act- that was him actually playing. He wasn't, like, faking it. Not That's what I heard, anyway. Yeah, but- I think that, uh, that Arturo actually did the soundtrack 
and uh, he probably did a marvelous job of faking it. He is a great actor, so you might be right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, you might be right about that, but I do believe that he did do some playing on probably well, that's the... Poor, that takes some guts. I'm going to be <laughs> Arthur Sandoval. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen that movie in 20 years. I should see it again. Yeah, probably. I've met, I've been a guest in his home along with his wife a couple of times. And he's a real nice down-to-earth guy once you get past the persona. That persona is there for a good reason. He's got to protect himself. He's world famous. What do you mean the persona? There's the Arturo that you see as he gets off stage. And then there's the Arturo that you see sitting in the studio at home. And the Arturo that you see when he's getting off stage is going to be very businesslike. And maybe have a few minutes for you, but nothing more. He's going to protect himself. So he has to be that way. Can you imagine being his, his famous as him? You know, once you get to know Arturo, you find out he's a actually a quite humble guy, believe it or not. Oh yes, I've met contrary, him a couple of times. Yeah, contrary to uh, what what his reputation is, nice, honest, and humble, hmm. and very gracious. He wears so, a mask. He puts a mask on. Yes, he does. Yeah, I think we'd all have to do that, and I mean that in the best, the most positive sense possible. Oh yeah, and I don't you know mean and, that. And, it's needed. It's like a Bane in that Batman movie said, nobody took me seriously until I put my mask on. He was just this anonymous person, and then he put his mask on, and then suddenly everybody feared him. <laughs> and I'm not saying that's true of Arturo Sandoval, but we, we do do need to put our masks on at, at various points, even if we're not world famous. Sure, it's business. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. He demands respect. Just by virtue of his virtuosity. Exactly. Yeah, he's wonderful. It's interesting that the trumpet, even after all these years, we had the great bands of the 50s and 60s, 40s, 30s. We all, we had these nationally known figures who were trumpeters, Harry James, Miles Davis, the list goes on and on. But we still have trumpeters that are well-known the world over. They're like household names. I've often said that the best trumpet player to ever live has not lived yet. Or he died in World War II, which is probably true. Sad, but true. Or he's out there and he doesn't have a Facebook account and nobody knows how to hear him. (laughs) The thing is, as time goes on, man learns more and more about his craft and gets better tools and better knowledge, and that all makes for a, a better performance. Think of Louis Armstrong. He was groundbreaking in the 1900s. He was a screamer. Of course, he never played much higher than high D, sometimes a high F. But he was a screamer for his day. And what he did was marvelous. Every note just screamed Louis Armstrong. It was so filled with personality. What a great musician. And uh, groundbreaking, the things he did. He coined an era. What, what are some of the things that he did that were groundbreaking? Let's listen to, the, this is almost cliche by now, but let's listen to the beginning of West End Blues. What a beautiful cadenza. And the melodic twist and the, the chromatic progression that he followed. And that was all from the tip of his, just came out of his imagination. He heard it. And he played it. Louis was never afraid to be himself. 
And he never apologized for a note he played. And he played to an audience, no matter if he was recording in front of one engineer or whether or not he was in front of 100,000 people. You know, he said he used to go into a recording studio and he would imagine people in his life that he was playing to. So it meant something to him if he was communicating his music to somebody he cared about. In the absence of that or in the absence of a crowd, he would imagine that they were there in the room and he was speaking to them. And at the end of the day, that's what music is. It's communication. It's speaking. It's saying what you feel. It's you, your personality. And nobody can be you. Only you can be you. Everyone asks, what do you think? Do you think Dizzy was a better place than a player than, than Miles Davis, Al Hurt? You can't make that comparison. It's like, it, what we do is an art, and it's such an individual individual art that you know, how are you going to judge different personalities? Miles Davis was better at being Miles Davis than Dizzy Gillespie. Absolutely he was. And none of those cats ever felt a need to mimic another person. When Bergeron is not a very good Larry Margolano. But I can tell you one thing. I'm definitely not a good Wayne Bergeron. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, but we have we've had this instrument has a lot of endurance because it seems like some of the, uh, it seems like some instruments come and go. They're faddish, but the trumpet definitely has some staying power over the years. We have Arturo. I just had Chris Bodie on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he's pretty well known across the world. But his trumpet is his calling card. That's that's his. He described it as his business card. That's what separates him from other pop musicians. That's great that he would do the show. That's, that's neat. I, I got to have dinner with him a few years ago. I played the lead on his show with hmm. Chris Bodie. Nice. And he's just a real nice, humble guy with, filled with knowledge. That's yeah. for sure. Oh, yes. He knows well, his stuff. That's for sure. I like Unbelievable what the guy has made in his lifetime. $40,000 a night, 300 dates a year. Yeah. You know, what I like he, about him is that he, he created a brand new sound. What... I'm just going to go off of memory what he told me in, in my interview with him. It was Wynton Marsalis had just released a great jazz, jazz album, and I don't know which album he's referring to, but it was right before Chris did his first album, and he said, man, if I were to try to do a jazz album, I would be sh overshadowed by Wynton because he set the standard that can't be matched. And if I were to try to do this, I would just be um, trying to, just trying to mimic the person who's already mastered it. So he went about and I guess you call it fusion, but pop and jazz fusion. He's a jazz player at heart, but he said, I'm going to do something different, appeal to a different crowd than that which would be a, a appealing to Wynton Marsalis. Like Arsenio Hall. He said, I'm not going to try to be Johnny Carson. I'm going to go after Johnny Carson's kids or uh, the, the, the kids of, Johnny Carson's audience. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's a smart move. Again, it goes back to the point where you've got to be, you can't be anybody else. You've got to be you. You've got to be you. You can't be Wayne Bergeron. You can't be Arturo Sandoval. You can't be Wynton Marsalis. You've got to be whoever you are. I, I, I have found, and this is a true for myself, and I've seen it in others, but people are terrified of being 
someone other than that person that they idolize or they admire. They want to sound like that person and that's comfortable for them, but to break out and create something that's totally unique, that requires exposing yourself. Um, not physically, but, you know, making yourself vulnerable. It requires courage. It's very, it's very, it's terrifying for people. I, I, I think a lot of people are afraid of success. I just, I just read that in a book. And it makes so much sense. I was guilty of a few years. I, I shot myself in the team times. Basically, I was a coward. I was afraid of success. And you, 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 no one deserves success, but it's out there for the taking. And you've got to submit yourself that you're good enough to work hard enough to attain success. Yeah, you've got the skill and you definitely, and, and you also have the the inner, the distinct sound that is that only one person can make. And That's right. I'm just, I'm looking at I, these. I've always been, I've not been known as an artist. I'm, I was always the guy who they'd call at the last minute to play a Broadway show and I'd go in and nail it, sight read the thing. And I, I get called back, you know, lead player of the Disneyland band, you know, no one went to Walt Disney World, I subbed in all those bands they loved me because i could read any chair there was no problem but as far as being an artist per se i've never been known as that i don't know if i have it in me but i, I enjoy trying anyways i just recorded a project with uh, some very talented kids uh, when i say kids they're all 18 19 years old if you put the three of them together you still i'm still older than them yeah but Pablo's look at it Look for it on YouTube, Paulo Santiago. And I don't do a lot of extended courses or anything, but I, you know, I try to do my best to support them. But I get some solo work done there, and you'll hear Larry Mary go on with that, for good or bad. It's me, and I, I don't make any apologies for it. That's probably the first recording project I've done that shows my personality, shows who I am. And I'm not a great jazz musician. I'm a swing player. I, I can accept that. All right. Okay. So what is the distinction between how you describe yourself as an artist? Why do you hesitate to describe yourself as an artist? I, we're all artists in our own way, so that was probably an inaccurate statement. I would say that I don't consider myself an artist at the highest level. I'm definitely an artist, but whether or not it's worthy of respect, I love my colleagues my peers decide that what's the criteria to be considered an a quote artist what would i have to do to be known as an artist i think that the biggest criteria is that you've got to be able to play yourself you've got to be able to be recognized within the first couple of notes that it's you play you got to offer something unique and Different, just like Chris Lowe, unique and different. You've got to be you. And sometimes I don't like me. Sometimes I listen back to what I say, what I play, and I just, that sucks. But then other people say, that was great. So, yeah, we've all got to be careful. It's important not to be afraid to be you. And if that means I can play a killer chorus on A train, but it's going to be in a swing style, like a warm Vachet or something. That's fine. I'm going to accept that. I'll never be a Woody Shaw. I'll never be a Freddie Hubbard. 
But I'm one heck of a Larry Marigolano. You're the best. Point. You're the best Larry Marigolano I've ever known. <laughs> Never known a better one. <laughs> and if that makes people happy and they enjoy it, great. They'll buy the album, and I'll, I'll get concerts. So I'm just now be- becoming, in my late age, more of a soloist than I am a sideman. And I'm getting. I, I play the jazz chair in three local bands here on, on a weekly basis, and I play with my own quartet, the one we just recorded with. And I'm branching out and exploring who Larry Marigolano is as a musician. And I think that's a positive step. And that's something that the CTS has given me. I now have the freedom to say no to a gig or freedom to say, let's do this for less money, which is really nice. The, the, the business I've started with the CTS, it binds you. There's a lot of responsibilities and a lot of things to learn about it, but it also gives you freedom because I'm not driving to Los Angeles and rush hour traffic to play a $75 Latin gig. And I don't have to do it. But in the past, I did. Larry, Larry's referring Larry's referring to his compression training system, CTS. So that's when he says that, that's what he was referring to. People need to know it's out there. For the first time ever, brass players have the ability to measure the strength of the brass armature. Scientifically measure the strength of the brass armature. We're using a meter, a pressure gauge. And instead of blowing on it like we all just completely counterintuitive, you think of a brass exercise, you think of blowing something. We blow a brass instrument. But no, instead, we're trapping the air within our oral cavities. And we're only measuring the amount of compression that the muscle of the armature can withstand or create from within the oral cavity. And that's how we exercise. Like circular breathing. Best analogy I can explain it is if you were to be a five-year-old child, you have a temper tantrum and you're going to scare your mom and not breathe. You're going to die. You're not going to breathe because you're mad. Well, you're still going to breathe your nose while you're holding your air. You're going to turn red, are you? If you'll take a gulp of water, same thing and breathe through your nose while you're holding in that water. That's the technique we use on the CTS. We're spurting the air out. And what that does is it puts a much higher weight load on our muscles than we would if we were just blowing again. With that special technique, we can measure our maximum amount of compression, which relates directly to the strength of your own embouchure. For years and years, all we heard about was compression created by the intercostals and the, and the diaphragm muscle. If you look at photographic evidence of Major Ferguson, John Faddis, all of them, Arturo Sandoval, all of them, you'll see that they are not just with the, the air of the lungs, but that compression process returns, uh, the compression process continues right straight through to the oral cavity. Sure, the air is the gas tank, it's the diaphragm, the lungs are the gas tank. But what we do with that air as it goes through the vibrating aperture, we can increase the amount of velocity and efficiency that while we're playing if we start using the muscles of the face in this manner. And I've heard people, Lynn is real big on, Lynn Nicholson is real big on not compressing from within the oral cavity. I, all due respect, I can prove that he's wrong with this gear. 
he does, at the same time he has a point. His point is if you keep the if you compress with the tongue, then you're you can cut off the air, you can cut off the sound. It's gonna affect the sound adversely. If you for example, blow the trumpet like this with your tongue on high in the palate, you're gonna sound that way. So you want to keep that full airstream that he's talking about, but we can further control the compression of air at, with the tongue and the muscles of the oral cavity. And that's the big part of trumpet pedagogy that has been uh, ignored for many years. Larry, I haven't heard the word compression used in the context of playing trumpet. So I just, and I'm the world's worst student, so I might need these things repeated for me a couple of times, but describe compression and how it pertains to trumpet playing. Basically, we do not buzz a trumpet. We blow a trumpet. Okay. Right? If you use the natural muscles that God gave you to blow your trumpet, mm -hmm. just like you're using the, 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 uh, the muscles to blow out a candle, then using the right muscles in the most efficient way and playing in the most natural. Uh, think about it. When the caveman went to blow out his fire, did he keep his corners tight and his chin flat? It's, but it's two different acts. Like one is blowing out a candle, the other is playing a trumpet. So it's not... It's the same act. You're blowing air through a vibrating aperture. The caveman was blowing air to stoke his fire or blow out his fire. Yeah, but you're not buzzing your lips to blow out a candle. So I, I don't understand the comparison. You don't buzz your lips when you play the trumpet either. You can't buzz a double high C. Okay. You're resisting the air. You're blowing air past the vibrating aperture. The faster the air, the higher the note. The okay, low, the but the slower but, the air. But the, the lips are the buzzing. They're creating a sound by the problem I have with saying describing it as buzzing is that creates a lot of predetermined tension. When you have predetermined tension, the muscles of the face aren't working correctly. I'll tell you why. Because okay, I'm gonna make malmature look a certain way and I'm gonna tighten my corners. And I'm going to buzz my lips because that's what we've always heard. Tighten your buzz and tighten your corners. Instead, what Roy Stevens taught me, and Roy Stevens is the, the guy who carried on William Costello's work, Costello system in New York City. What Roy taught me was that the air determines the tension in the muscles of the face. And that's what the CPS is. As we blow, we allow the muscles to react to the air. But if you have predetermined tension, those muscle fibers are locked into place and they can't move. Where do they have to go? In this way of playing, we are using the added strength and the added efficiency of compressed air from within the oral cavity to channel the air through the vibrator. It creates an, a much more efficient blow. It creates the, the potential to play much higher. And the, the evidence is right there. Everyone says, don't puff your cheeks. Tell me that there's no air pockets in Arturo Sandoval's mouth or Maynard Ferguson's mouth, or John Jim Morrison's or Willie Morello. Tell me that they don't have any puffed. They're, you're wrong. They have compressed air pockets, and that's all part of the process. When you, I would encourage all of you to, to Google images of those names and really analyze what's going on in their arbitrary. Analyze where is that strength coming from? Where is the compression coming from? Is it coming from the intercostals and the diaphragm? Certainly, but is it added and enhanced by the compression process in the oral cavity? Absolutely it is. And the CTS capitalizes on that and teaches that because we're 
teaching intraoral compression. We're teaching, for the first time ever, we have a tool. Shows the student a tangible feeling of compressing the air forward through the vibrating aperture. Well, this is very interesting, and this is taking me a while to wrap my head around this, but I have two questions that are coming immediately to my mind as I'm listening to this. First, is it accurate to say that we're thinking of the embouchure beyond just the lips, but the air within the mouth that would describe the embouchure? I would say the embouchure is the human body. The embouchure is the human body. Absolutely. Okay. We're a trumpet playing machine. Maynard taught us how to plant our feet and do like a weightlifter's stance in order to have stability as you're playing. So he started his process from the bottom of his feet. And, and he takes, learned to take a big, huge breath. And he had amazing strength in his uh, abdominals. He was strong as a horse. So that was his gas tank. But he further compressed the air through the oral cavity. With the CTS meter, you can see just how much more of a, of a afterburn you can get or, or like a turbo charge you can right. get. Right. By adding compression with the oral cavity. Mm-hmm. If you just try and blow on the C- on the CTS, you're going to get maybe six detours at the most, and you're going to get a headache while you're doing it. But if you compress, you can go all the way up to 300. Hey, I want to interrupt today's show to tell you about Odd Meter Technical Exercises for Trumpet by Trumpet Dynamics previous guest, Michael Hankst, professor of trumpet at Metropolitan State University in Denver. These exercises are for serious players looking to enhance their familiarity with 5.8 and 7.8 meters, strengthen and expand their range and endurance, stay engaged and focused while practicing, as well as those looking to play new exercises or even old exercises, such as ones by Clark, Stamp, Gecker, and Smith in a new way. When you practice the same thing the same way without variation, it's easy to zone out or lose focus and just Play on repeat without purpose. These exercises attempt to minimize that by constantly switching up the 5-8-7-8 groupings within each exercise, and I have used them, and I can attest to their efficacy. Aspects of trumpet playing that are addressed in this book include articulation, multiple articulation, whole tone, major, dominant, and diminished arpeggios, intervolic precision, and scales. To grab your copy of Odd Meter Technical Exercises for Trumpet, just go to oddmeter-exercises.com. Dot com. That's oddmeter-exercises.com. Can we, let's put a pin on that for just a second. I think what is really sticking out to me is that I'm hearing far more emphasis on what's going on inside the mouth versus simply the lips are the channel by which the air goes through the, into the instrument from the lungs using the diaphragm, but I personally, and maybe other people have heard this, but I haven't, but so be it. But I haven't personally heard so much emphasis placed on the actual air inside the mouth. It's always like the air from the lungs through the lips into the instrument, but never, I've never heard so much emphasis placed on the mouth. Uh It's a missing link in Trump and Pedagogy. Really? And this high school dropout found a way to communicate it with an apparatus. It's a missing link. It's what has been ignored for many years. We've had the, the tongue-controlled armature. That is certainly intraoral compression. We've had others talk about it, the ah, e, syllables or whatever. When you say e, you're raising the tongue in the roof of the mouth, and you're channeling the air faster. That's all part of the intraoral compression process. But further to that is the actual muscles of the oral cavity. You want strong 
corners, you want to see your corners burn? Compress the air with your oral cavity. Compress the air. And you'll feel a burn. I created it in my mind about 10 years ago when I, I had released a video on YouTube called the Hermetic Seal Exercise or the Maynard Ferguson Cat Anderson Lip Position. And I, in, in that video, I talk about intraoral compression. I talk about closing off the end of the mouthpiece, using it as an isometric, just blowing air against the resistance of a closed tube or compressing air, in my case, like a circular breathing. And that did the trick. And I was hospitalized a couple of times and I stayed in shape in the hospital with just that exercise. Wait a second, that's isometric, which is good. Like the peat is isometric. It's a positive thing. I thought if I could create variable back pressure, the muscle fibers would move against the tension, just as they do when you're playing. It's more natural. And sure enough, it's I went to uh, tire shops, you name it. I bought tire gauges. I tried everything. And even though I changed out the, the tension in the springs, and I could just never get it right. And finally, I ran across this meter. And I thought, I wonder if I could custom order the, the calibration. Sure enough, that's what happened. And I began to, I had the prototype that I found in my closet after cleaning my room. I, I went to work creating the system. So it isn't just the apparatus, it's the system. I didn't, during the, the pandemic, I did not play the trumpet for 17 weeks. At the end of that 17 weeks, I was stronger than I have ever been in my life. I was gone fat as strong. What I did is I adapted the, now that we have measured variable back pressure, now that we can assign a, a calculable uh, uh, measurement to the amount of compression that the muscles can take, we can now format our exercises just like professional weightlifters do. So now we can engage in the science of progressive overload training. So it, all those years of muscle building science that, that we've never used as brass players is now open to us because we have a tool which can measure the amount of compression that we can generate through the muscles of the face. Now tell me that's not a huge step forward in, in trumpet pedagogy. Sorry, I don't mean to pat myself on the back. I don't know why I was chosen to be the guy to bring it to the world, but I'm glad I did because it's helped thousands of people. Every day I hear something new. Larry, I've never had chops like this in my life. Thank you, thank you, thank you for creating the CTS. And I get that almost daily. I've sold thousands of units and I don't have one complaint. <laughs> He's a traditional guy. All oh, the love and respect for Bobby. He said, I'm not even going to try it. I'm going to put it in the drawer with all the other gadgets people send to me. <laughs> so he didn't actually use it so that's not a real complaint yeah okay all right good. So. all right and i've always wondered is there something that we can learn from weightlifters and bodybuilders as what can we learn from them to improve ourselves on on this instrument and i even went out and bought a book on weightlifting at one point trying to just learn the ways and the means of weightlifters their techniques and how much they rest and how much they do this to build up this muscle. And I've tried to apply it to my own playing, but it, I couldn't really make sense of it. But it sounds like you've basically put the, the, you've tied 
the the physicality that has long been known to people, the professional athletes and weightlifters and whatnot, to trumpet players. To all brass players. Brass players, yeah. And in okay. fact, woodwind players as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't need as much strength as we do, but they have a lot of strength. And they can use the CTS to create a strong feeling. I don't think that the average person who went through school or college and went out into the real world, got a real job, and still played the trumpet on the side, I don't think they realize just how much physical strength it takes to blow a trumpet consistently. They may have felt really good when they were in college, flying four or five hours a day, and they realize that. But they don't realize just how physical a process it is. When I was 24 years old, I was the principal trumpet of the Disneyland band in Anaheim. I was working literally six and seven days a week during the summertime, five days a week during the uh, normal year, eight hours a day uh, for years. That's a lot of play. That was a tough book. It, It was road jobs. People talk about road jobs. They talk about when I was on the road with this big band or that big band, I had chops galore. Of course, you were challenging your embouchure muscles to a, a huge amount of work, and they responded by becoming stronger. Are sometimes afraid of overworking their jobs, or is not part of the puzzle knowing when not to overwork your job? Yeah, it is. I mean, if you got a, a marathon, I'm not going to go weight lifts. I'm not going to lift weights the day before my I'm running a 26 mile marathon. Same thing goes for the trumpet. I'm not going to work out on the CTS if I got a big coming, huge. I'll do maintenance on the CTS, but I'm not going to do it in my maximum level. I'm not going to hurt myself that same day. Intuition is really important. You have to know how much your chops can take. But because the CTS is measurable and we can uh, scientifically assign a measurement to the strength of our chops, we can now create a graph and watch ourselves grow. And we do, and the most efficient way to do that is to follow the advice of professional weightlifters. Now, we couldn't do that in the past. Why? Because we didn't have a measurable way of applying tension. Okay, uh, for example, a, a weightlifter, is one day he's going to have a hard day, the next day he's going to have a medium day, then he's going to have an easy day. He does that by uh, looking at percentages of his maximum weightlifts. For example, if he's going uh, 200 pounds, his medium day, he's probably going to do 70% of that. His easy day, he's going to do 50% of that. And by confusing the muscles and changing that all up during a weekly routine, you're literally able to make yourself stronger. They've gotten it to the point where they know what they need to do to become stronger or bulkier or whatever their goal might be. For brass players, we want strength for the upper register. We want, more importantly, is endurance. By the way, the two of them don't really Beat because you have a loud double high C doesn't mean you can make it through the end of the chart. You've got to train for endurance. That's what's cool about the PCTS. PCTS is basically a pocket compression training system, which gives us all the benefits of the CTS aperture tool in a two inch object that we can put around our neck and take with us to work. So now the guy who's doing a full time clerk job. Well, still wants to play well on weekends, but doesn't have the time. Pick that thing up during the break and work your chops all day, and you'll have as much chops as you ever need. When is that ever? The chains have been broken. Now, there's good and bad. You know, for example, I'm not as sharp as I was when I was doing my 
daily routine and doing my Clarks every day. I, I'm a pretty good trumpet player, so I can't get over that. But I can feel that I'm not, not that sharp, having not done a lot of those fundamental things uh, by virtue of the fact that I live in a senior community in a, uh, an apartment with very thin walls. But I've found a way to actually become stronger without blowing a note. All right. Well, you've described like the science of it, but I'm interested in knowing like how does it actually work? If I were to get it in the mail today, what's the first thing that I would do? And how am I going to build up the compression in my mouth? Like you talked, to, you threw a number out there, 300. What's the process I'm going to do to get to that 300 level? That's an extreme level. And only a few guys can do that. Like Russia, Ross has it down. I'm 280 which is pretty phenomenal. How do you get to the, your maximum potential? What I'm asking is how does it, what do you actually do with it? It's just like lifting weights. You've got to make sure that your form is correct. But for example, when you would go to the gym and you lift weights, you wouldn't pick the thing up and then drop it, would you? You'd do slow, easy reps, right? You would do maybe 10 reps in a row, then you stop and rest and do another set. Now we do the exact same thing with the compression training system. We go zero to say 60 slow and methodically and we'll do 10 reps rest more than rest we'll do buzzing in between so that the muscle fibers are getting rejuvenated with the fresh blood and oxygen getting rid of all that lactic acid and then let's say three three reps of say 60 for the first day then you do the endurance stuff and endurance is easy all you have to do is long tones for endurance well, what is long jumps? Compressing air at a very low level, the middle register. And that's where we gain a lot of our strength. With the compression training system, I've learned to mimic the amount of tension that the other positive stuff that we've done in the past would get benefit us. For example, if I want to have the feeling of having done a lot of long codes, I'm going to do the compression training system. I'm just going to hold it at one number, say maybe 40 to 60 torque. And I'm going to hold it as long as I can until I get a burn. Stop and rest. And I'm going to do it again. I often do that through an hour and a half of watching movies. Periodically throughout the day, I just pick it up and get a burn. All right. Put it back down. And when I pick up the trumpet, watch out. So I, mean, I feel as strong as I ever can. All right. So this device, it's the gauge, and then it's got the, is that a tube that goes into the gauge? The On the original kit, it includes the tutorial. It's with the tube mouthpiece fits into the back of the tube okay are you buzzing on your mouthpiece or? no no it's down you're just compressing air Got it. and you're holding it against that tension of the muscles when do you use the mouthpiece and uh, yeah the, the, the mouthpiece drills are great for range exercise okay okay you start out with just the device minus the mouthpiece and then at some point you add the mouthpiece for added benefit i i, I have actually written out a full routine that you can follow with all your percentages on a daily basis. So you don't have to, to have a mouthpiece in order to benefit from it? No, I, I use the aperture tool a lot, which now the PCTS is the aperture tool all in a small little device about the size of a peat. In fact, it resembles the peat, but that's where just in resemblance only, not in function, because function's completely different, but it's, it's just a small little device that you can put around your neck, uh, on lanyard and take to work with you. It's a perfect solution for busy people, doctor, uh, doctors, lawyers, dentists, people who are, are any full-time worker 
who just don't have time to pick up their horn throughout the day. Now they can enjoy the same strength that they had in college without practicing. Isn't going to make your clock sound any better, but it'll give that vibrating aperture enough strength that you're going to be, you're going to have some endurance. It opens up a whole new science for brass players. It's answered a lot of questions. It's dispelled a lot of myths. You've got a bunch of slackers who are saying th good things about the product. You got Wayne Bergeron, Ronald Rom, Mike Lovett, Rashawn Ross, Mac Goleon. They're okay. <laughs> yeah, they don't talk Jim about Manley. Them. Jim Manley, Matt Falky, Willie Murillo. And the reason they've said, I haven't paid them to do, they realize what a contribution it is and then want to help me get the word out. And I'm so grateful to them because they, and Arturo Sandoval as well. You know, they've all endorsed my product and because they knew right away when they tried it, oh, this is great. They all do the same thing I do. They sit in front of the television set and do the CTS or drive the cars and do a CTS. You know, I can't say that for legal reasons, but I do. <laughs> if you keep the CTS in your mouth as much as a cigarette smoker kept a cigarette in your mouth, you'll be a man. There is a now a roadmap to physical success on the instrument, which is a very physical instrument. And then for the first time ever, there's a roadmap. And I don't think that I even know how big it is. Think about it. all the years we've played brass instruments. Have we ever had a, 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 tool, a tool to supplement our strength? No, we haven't. We've not. We have do this etude, that etude, do long tones. And we'll notice that the long tones are, and such are going to give us a certain result. But what if you don't have time to make that sound? What if you live in a senior apartment? What if you don't have time to practice all day? And there's no way to really measure the actual efficacy of what you're doing. You just do it, and then I've had this result before. I hope that I have the result again, but this is giving us a way to actually measure it. You will watch your maximum strength grow. And with that maximum strength, you will see endurance increasing in your range. It has all the buzzwords range, power, and endurance, for the first time ever, it actually gives you that. It's a product that actually gives you that range, power, and endurance. And it scientifically proves itself. Well, Larry, I, I have to say this is uh, wonderful. Congratulations on uh, bringing it to the market and the success that you've had. I apologize if this sounds like, like a blatant infomercial on the CTS, but I was intrigued by it, and I just wanted to get Larry on the call and learn more about it and the science behind it and the kind of the founding origins of it. Well, thank you for giving me the time. Of course. Uh, it's, we could talk all day long about <laughs> I, careers and I believe you. Um, yeah, <laughs> we could. I'm 67 years old. I made my living on the trumpet since I was 15 years old. That's a lot of years of struggling. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to pass on some of my information, born of hard work, tears, and struggle, to help the next generation. At, at any rate, it's trumpetlegacy.com is where you can learn more about the compression training system. This has been wonderful. I've been following this for a while, and I've been wanting to just pick your brain about it for a long time. And finally, we got on the call, and I hope that people listening in got some benefit from it too. And if you're intrigued, I'm going to give it a shot myself, and I hope that you'll follow suit and give it a shot yourself. Anyway, we've been with on the call with Larry Marigolano. He's the founder of the Compression Training System. Not an artist, unfortunately. 
pa. But he'll get you'll get there someday, Larry. <laughs> if you can create the compression training system, then I think that you can become an artist one day. Uh, <laughs> Have a look at my uh, uh, listen to my latest release. It's on right. YouTube. Yeah. Pablo Santiago featuring Larry Marigolano. Okay. Trumpetlegacy.com. Larry's been a blast, and thank you for being on the show, man. Oh, thanks for having me, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on Trumpet Dynamics, telling the story of the trumpet in the words of those who play it. For more captivating episodes and exclusive content, visit our official website at trumpetdynamics.com. You can dive deeper into the interviews, discover additional resources, and connect with your fellow trumpeters. Also be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform and even leave a rating and review. It really helps with the visibility of the show. Until we meet again, may your fingers be fluid, your breath unimpeded, and your chops ever fresh. Play hard. <laughs>